0: Thank you, thank you both. We do need God in this hour, and as we come to this time, our prayer is that God's word would accomplish what it is intended to do, and that we would hear what he has for us today. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians. That's where we've been in our study, in our Bible time. So, since uh, our brother is sick today, uh, I pray for him and Stacy as they recover. I pray that they will have quick recovery, and we miss them. And there's others that we're missing today. Be mindful of them and continue to pray for them throughout the week, uh, as as we as they come to our minds and uh, other other needs and other people that may be traveling. Let's keep those in our prayers. We've already been praying, and I pray today as well for you, church. And as we have been studying in in Thessalonians, this church that Paul is writing to is near and dear to even my own heart, and I have fallen in love with this church because I think it's the church that we need to be like. And I've said that in our time together as we've studied on Sundays. We're going to continue in our stay on Sunday. But today we're going to bring that time here. And I hope that uh, we'll be edified and sanctified by our time together in God's Word. Let's pray quickly and then we'll, we'll start digging in. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do need you in this hour. As we come before your throne to worship, Lord, we pray that our time together would be pleasing to you. That what we would say and what we would do and what we would think would be for your honor and your glory, which is the chief end of men, Lord, to glorify you. I pray that you will use this poor preacher's stammering words and sometimes, Lord, struggling with how to how to even think that you would even bless our time together today, that you would hide us behind the cross of Christ. And that we would be joined together, bound together, through our time, through your word and spirit as you have intended. And that we would love you, O God, and that we love one another in these things you have given to us through Christ. And we are grateful and we thank you in Christ's precious name. Amen. So as we've been studying, we've gotten to chapter 4. In our study, and I have us around verse nine, is uh the focal, kind of the focal passages. Well, there's really more to it than that. Verses nine through twelve is kind of what I have 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 tried to focus on as, as the title even of this this message today. And this is um taught by God. And that's in the verse verse in, in verse nine there, taught by God. And we need to know and understand what that means to be taught by God. And we need to know Him, to be taught by Him. So, for some of those that haven't been in our time of study together in First Thessalonians, I'm going to back up a little bit and kind of give us a, a run through from the beginning of the chapter and hope that that helps us with our context as we go. And as my wife uh, was probably afraid, I would say turn to Genesis because sometimes I have a tendency to to want to preach all of it. So, if you would listen well as we begin, and know and understand that uh, as we've talked about Paul and his situation, as he writes to this this, this church there in Thessalonica, as he's in Corinth, and that. Uh, that we know and understand, as, we're, as we're, we're getting a start here, that Paul's exhortation to the church in, in Thessalonica there—that we've heard and we know in our study and read of, of how he is pouring uh, pouring out in his exhortation his compassion and devotion. And as I wrote those those words there, compassion and devotion—it was very intentional because if you look up love, the definition there is compassion. And And there's much more to be said about those words, but that is, it's our heart. And we need to know and understand as we talk about this love that we will be looking at, brotherly love, and um, taught by God that we, we know and we understand this. So Paul is exhorting them with compassion and devotion and his love for this body of believers and his care for them is pouring out in these wonderful words of encouragement to them. And uh, just as Timothy and Silas had returned to, to, to meet Paul there in Corinth, then we know in our studies in Acts 15 that we, we could see and it was confirmed that they had returned there to, to Paul in Corinth with what? We know that he returned with a good report, as we studied earlier, that it was a, a good report that he had brought, so the news was good. Well, what was the news? Well, if we start looking and, and kind of doing some some overview in chapter 1, uh, I, I, I've got here uh, the word of the Lord, verse 8, it says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we may have no need to say anything. So the word of the Lord had gone forth there from them. And in this report, uh, Paul is rejoicing. So as we as we think about that and talk about that, we can see that uh, the news of their faith going forth by verse eight there. And we talked about when we studied through the chapter the progression of the gospel. If you remember, there were three movements of the gospel that we were teaching, and not only. Do we need, do we see it here? We see it anywhere that Paul would go. In those movements, what, what, what were they that Paul used? Uh, in the report there, that the gospel was indeed alive and well in Thess- Thessalonica. And this progression and movement of the gospel that Paul's employing was the very plan of God and uh, intended for the gospel to be spread throughout the world for the salvation of sinners and the edification of the church. And this plan being executed wherever Paul would go and preach. In verse 6, so I'm kind of went backwards a little bit. Verse 6 it says, uh, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So in verse 6, the preaching and the living there of one accord, and here we can see from just those few verses, that progression, those movements, those three that we talked about, the word had come, the word was received, and the word was going forth from there, from the church there in Thessalonica. Like and those three movements, the progression of the gospel, as we would even see uh, if if we backed up to the verse three. It says, Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. And I cannot help but notice that these are evidences. These are evidences of their faith in God. And they were foremost in Paul's mind as he penned and he writes this letter. So uh, as we see that progression and how that was done in the heart of Paul as he writes and how the church had received the gospel and how the news and the gospel had gone forth from them, is that not great? It's, it's just fantastic that, and it's no different here, just to throw that in there. In chapter two, we can see Paul reminding them uh, even though his stay had been his stay had been very brief in only a few weeks, that, that their coming was not in vain in verse 1. And he reminds them of the sincerity and the genuineness of their time with them, And he reminds them that God was the one that had approved and entrusted them with the gospel. And in verse 8 of chapter 2, we, we hear more of the heart of, of, of this loving and caring pastor Paul there in verse 8 of chapter 2. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. And how loving and sincere that that is, and that we see the gospel and the living of it in accord. I think I may have already even said that. So the gospel entrusted and approved by God himself, and how that had been brought to them, and we uh, see the heart of that pastor and the affection that he has for them. And also he reminds them of their labor and hardship and how they had worked night and day as not to be a burden to anyone. And we proclaim the gospel of God to them, verse nine, and then moving into verse 12, and we can see the reason, uh, verse 12, and it says that in the beginning of 13. Verse 12, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom in glory. So there, and it says it in, in verse 13, we can see, he says, we also constantly, what? Thank God. And that's, that's in prayer that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, it says you accepted it, not as the word of men or for what it really is, The word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So I'm reading this as I was studying in this word of God and this accepting of it. And I can begin to see by uh, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And I automatically began thinking of and I, I, I shouldn't be surprised because we've been talking about it is uh, these tones of of our calling to holiness and sanctification and even more of that coming in the next chapter is being manifested in our day-to-day walk with God. So as we look at those verses, we start hearing those tones of of holiness and those tones of sanctification as we also are striving and uh, how God is working in that. So um, I just wanted to mention that as a little bit of a side note. And then he also reminds them of the continual thanking God uh, there and the reason uh, for thanking God that they had received the word and that it was actually being lived out in them, worked out in them. And then also uh, chapter 217, uh, he mentions of how he longs to see them. And I think that there's much to be said about the heart of of, of Paul there, longing to see them, and also them longing to see him. But Timothy is sent there to encourage them in their faith, as we see that in in, uh, around, what is that, chapter 2, verse 17, the of page in verse 17 he longs to see them face to face and timothy is sent to to encourage them and to strengthen them in the gospel and timothy was not just any old person just to see him. remember our study of timothy and the heart and the care that he had as a pastor so paul just didn't send just anyone to them for this so uh As I as I thought about that, and uh, I saw this strengthening and encouraging, and then I also thought about Paul being so encouraged uh, as to their faith uh, through their trials and tribulations and afflictions that we had had talked about there, and uh, thinking about now that 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 had taken place, that Timothy in verse six it says. Uh, Timothy has, has come to us from you. So Timothy has returned now to Corinth. To meet Paul, as we, we talked about. Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. And that you always think kindly of us, longing to see you, just as we also long longing to see you, just as we also uh, long to see you, in, in, verse, um, in verse 6. And then the report there that he received from Timothy, and uh, that being such a good report in verse 9 of chapter 3, he can barely even put it into words as he's rejoicing because uh, we see uh, verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy which we rejoice before our God on your account. And Paul is so, so re- joyous, and rejoicing in the news that he had heard of this church and how they had received the word, how they had uh, is how they are living the word and how how it is going forth from them. That he that he just he, words are almost inexpressible from what we can see in verse nine. That he doesn't he said what what thanks can we even render to God? He doesn't even know what to say uh, in thanking them in thanking God for them. So. Uh, Right after that, the end of chapter 3, we can see Paul, basically, he he burst out into this this wonderful Trinitarian and and God's sovereign prayer there in verses 11, 12, and 13 of chapter 3, and uh, we... We, uh, we can see now may our God and Father himself and Jesus, our Lord, direct our way to you and may the Lord cause you to increase. It says abound in love for one another. So that is their increasing they're growing in the Lord. And it says abounding for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that who He, God, may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. And this wonderful prayer that we see from Paul, and I cannot help but note here that this, He may establish your hearts without blame and holiness. We need to know and understand what that is and what that means, and that is our position in our just vocation that we have been justified in Christ. That is the only way that we could ever uh and our hearts even could ever be without blame and holding us before our God and Father. And that is that is total sanctification. And, and, and it's mentioned there coming to our Lord Jesus with all and, and at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. And Christ returning and with his saints and what 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 a saints and I, I thought about this and uh, made some notes here that uh, all his saints and his saints are what? And as you look at, at, at the definition of that, it's his holy ones. And we have been studying and talking about being holy and being made holy because he is holy, which no one will see the Lord without this holiness, right? So, there's sanctification there that has taken place, and, and it also says, one faithful to God and set apart, and those who have been set apart for God for Himself. Those saints, those saints, God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints and holy ones. He begins in verse 4. In chapter four, there, as we think about what we have just heard and what we have come to know, that uh, he's requesting and exhorting them in the beginning of, of, of verse one of chapter four. Finally, then brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that just as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk. And please God, just as you actually do want, that you excel still more. And also next, the will of God, your sanctification. So as we are continuing to move through the chapter and Paul is writing to them, and we come to this part of what is your sanctification and knowing what we have just talked about and holding when I looked at uh, sanctification, it says uh, holiness. And there's two ideas conveyed there in, in sanctification. Though a believer is in a state or position of having been set apart by God and is declared righteous by him because of Christ's sacrifice. Not your own righteousness, right? It's Christ's sacrifice. And then the second The second idea conveyed there the believer progresses in his sanctification or godly lifestyle through daily prayer, study, and meditation on the Word of God. It says acts of Christian love toward others, and then it said, etc. And I thought about what is (laughs) etc. And I, I cannot help but think, as we teach all ways, the means of grace that we Enjoy that we are growing and and learning by, and that is the word preached. I would put that a little backwards, I might say the word preached and then left etc., somewhere else. But the word preached and the means of grace and worship that we have, and then, of course, us as as a body of believers receiving that. So, in the rest of verse, in the verse there in three, uh, that you abstain from sexual immorality. It went right into to that and after this is the law of God your sanctification, you're being made holy, you're being made like Christ, and him and even his calling and how your walk and your godly lifestyle would be, it goes right into it, that this is you, that is you abstain from sexual morality. And I, I don't believe it, well, I, I know that We spent a lot of time on that. Um, Last Lord's Day in our Bible study, we spent time on it Wednesday night. I don't want to belabor it much more other than to say that Paul knew exactly when he wrote this what the Spirit had led him to write. Paul knew well the situation in Corinth at the time and also the situation of all new churches of of Christ Jesus, that they had no previous examples, no holy examples living examples prior to that, and there in that time, this example that is is being spoken of, same from sexual immorality, is also um, the same today as it was then, and we also uh, came to hear and and understand uh, the devastation also against this type of sin and these kinds of sins against God, but also even against our own bodies and how de- de- devastating and the repercussions on our own families and relationships with one another. So it's not their bias. It is uh, fully intentional. And uh, also verse 6 says that no man transgresses his brother in the matter. And we, we have to think, well, if we're talking about our love for one another, then our care for one another, and how that particular sin would be, well, God's the avenger also, right? But how that sin would, would be so devastating in, in our families and uh, against one another, that's not the love of one another. Right? John 14, verse 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them Is the one who loves me. And he who loves me. Will be loved by my father. And I will love him. And will disclose myself to him. As we continue to move through. The verses here in chapter 4. And as we talked about. In our time together earlier. That God will love us. And will disclose. He says disclose myself. That's how we're taught by God. Is by him sending his Holy Spirit to us and his Holy Spirit and his word working in us that helps us to be sanctified and that this is even being taught by God himself to us because of uh, the Holy Spirit in us. And even our own consciences agree, we, we've heard that one before and that uh, we would know and understand uh, right and wrong. So we're taught by God himself and uh, not only to love him but also to love one another and Paul frames this in such a way as to teach them it's from God and through God and Paul understands the gospel had been given to them and the gospel had been received by them and the gospel was going forth by them and through their faith in God their love for God and one another was on full display despite the afflictions and other things and it was evident by their fruit we saw that in chapter one, the evidences, right? And here I, I've noted that how this love for God and him teaching us how to love him and how to love one another and the things that we've already talked about, how that impacts the church. And the commandments that we love the Lord God with your heart and mind and soul and that we love one another as ourselves, Right? and as I studied the, the commentary I've been reading Richard Phillips wrote um, here, here's what he said uh, this was Paul's idea of a good church a body of Christians filled with faith in Jesus Christ and overflowing with God's love for one another and Paul urged them to do this even more and to excel Even more in verse 10 and as I think about even our own church and I said earlier that this is the heart that we that we should have and Paul thought it important enough that he wrote about it and I think it's important that we teach it as well if we examine ourselves will we find ourselves nearer or farther away from God's will for us for us corporately and for us as individuals, Paul thought it was important. He taught it; we should too. Also, as I'm talking about how it impacts the church, I'm also noted from Phillips continuing here, and this is important. So, I would like for you to listen. Do we feel God's love poured into us as we believe the gospel? If not. Are we still seeking to approach God by our own works instead of relying on the finished work of Jesus Christ, who's God's chief gift of love to us? Continuing, if we, this is Phillips, if we think little of the cross of Christ, we are likely to feel little love from God and have little love for him and others. But if we stand before the atoning sacrifice of God's perfect son, seeing how Jesus gave himself in love so that we might be saved, it is simply impossible that we should be unmoved and unchanged by love. The love of Christ. Now, Is our love for one another tied or related to salvation? Is the love for one another and our ability to practice it related to being filled with the Holy Spirit and hearts being changed? I'd say yes. The kind of brotherly love we are talking about isn't feigned or faked, it isn't insincere. It's not superficial. It's genuine. And its source is pure. By the purest sense of the word. Since it comes from the one who is love. By definition. God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And as I wrote that. I even underline does not know. Because in our. Study knowing God is it's essential. Is our love for one another related to our knowing God? It absolutely is. We also saw that in First Thessalonians four verse five. The difference in the heart of those who know God and those who don't. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, and honor, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles. In the end of verse five, who do not know God. So it's absolutely essential, and it absolutely is related. It's also, I've been reading in Proverbs. And if you want some better understanding of knowing God and loving God and one another, I suggest you read, you read Proverbs, it's a good read. Our Bibles are full of teaching and also here We need to know and understand the orthopraxy. And that was what was, you know, being taught by God to love one another. And um, the very next part in verse 10, for indeed, that you do what? That you do practice it. Orthopraxy is a big word for me. (laughs) I don't know about y'all. But uh, coming to know and understand orthopraxy or putting into practice. Paul is so happy. With the way that the Christians in Thessalonica in Thessalonica were putting this into practice, their love for one another and their faith in God that He encourages them to keep doing more of the same and continue to strive and to excel in it. And He's admonishing them, and He continues in verse eleven and tells them what would this look what would this look like in practice? And it's it's a goal or an ambition uh, in verse eleven, and to make it your ambition. To lead a quiet life and attend your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. And I think as we we talk about this it's something that that we strive for that we'd also do in our striving with right and just motives because he says to excel still more and then he uses the word and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life peaceable. And to attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you and i would take it to mean that the, these things are separate but they will be done together at the same time as we walk and as we live our lives our christian walk so we see that it is uh, a scripture whole whole. That we know and understand the teaching that we should be, that we should not be separated or isolated from one another. I don't think that that's what the verse is is saying about attend to your own business. But we're not doing that separately or in isolation from one another. It's kind of, when I got to this point, I was like, well, what are we talking about? Because we're to love one another. And loving one another, well, we're doing one another's, (laughs) which we're doing together in our striving. And our mission to be holy and godly and living that out. And then it goes forth, the gospel goes forth from us as we we do that. So I don't think the meaning there is that we're to do that in isolation or apart from one another. So what does it really mean, this attend to your own business and there's a term i think this is uh, the meaning of context uh here that that we put this into practice but here as we come to this part um christians who are like-minded we're striving for the same goals in christ we're united and bound together in his love for us and our love for one another but we shouldn't be in the word that we've heard in the term that we've heard before is busybodies and I believe the term there uh, applied as I, as I thought about that and as I studied that there became this sense of, of, of someone who would become idle in their striving. And they were more interested in others' businesses. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we're not accountable to no, no, no understanding I'm not saying that. The scriptures is clear that we're to take care of our families and provide uh, by our labor for even those who uh, are legitimately in need, and that this idleness leads to other things. And verses even uh, there's a verse in Second Thessalonians three ten. It says, um, "For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order: if anyone is not willing to work, then he's not to eat either." Oh. So this idleness and this not willing to work and not having or having the wrong interest and the wrong striving for the wrong goals because it's, it's really counter to what we, that we would uh, see for loving brothers. That is something in their idleness and um, the things that came to my mind were, were, were verses about laziness and, and gluttony and and they're more interested in serving self. They're interested in serving self instead of others, and this is counter, as I said already, to the brother of God and the kind of heart that we would have who have others' interests even held higher than their own. And not only that, how about one who held others' interests as the ultimate goal, and was willing to die himself for those who loved. loved. Who is that? That's Christ. He's our example. Romans 5 verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read all of it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perfect perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. So Christ is our example. We're justified by him. We're sanctified by God's word and Holy Spirit in our lives. We'll apply it, practice it, it goes forth, and then it goes into verse 12 so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Behaving properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. This behavior is countercultural, I wrote these days. Because. In these days, in conformity to a world who wants instant gratification and more concerned about self than they are of others. Proper behavior has been instructed and taught in the Word of God and also even commanded. We have some examples, but our, exa- our best example is who? The Lord Jesus himself. And then from Romans 13, 13 verses 13 and 14 let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality not in strife and jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust see the difference see the difference and the contrast there from the world. And I'm telling you from Christ and how that looks and how we are to do that. So in Romans 13, 13 and 14, behaving properly and coming in to, to knowing and understanding there. And that, that word that was used there, strife, it reminds me of the word that we were talking about all ago in our, our strivings. And our striving together for Christ and the things that are of Christ, those things look the same in us and in our church. That strife and jealousy comes from wrong heart and wrong motives, right? That's what we know that strife would be. And then it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And then I've written... 1 John 4, which I think will do a wonderful job of summing all of this up together for us. Better than I have. 1 John 4, there's several verses there. I'm going to begin in verse 7. And listen. It says, Beloved, let us love one another Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Guys, this is the gospel. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Of this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed that the love which God has for us God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one whose fear is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen And this commandment we have from him, that one who loves God should love his brother also. I think those verses perfectly sum up what we've been talking about and what we've been seeing here in 1 Thessalonians as we read. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves were taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in macedonia but we urge you brethren to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need those are our focal passages for today and as i continue to read this and i got to the end stopped but wait not be in any need we need we've talked when we began today how much we need we need prayer we need to be praying for those that have needs and we need to be able to provide for those who can't even provide for themselves legitimately need and how we should do that and put it into practice as we love one another. And I came to this part of need and automatically we think of material things. I never stop in a lesson. There's good teaching and good understanding to know and understand material needs. But there's another need, brothers and sisters. It's the need that transcends all other needs. It's the need for a savior. It's the need for Christ. And we must know and understand as God has put it in us to love him and to love one another and to live it out and put it into practice that others could come to know him. And that's why we're even here today. The need is great. Feel his life there are many who need material things yes but the greatest need of all is the need of Christ we need him in our lives we need him every hour we need him in our families we need him to teach us we need to put it into practice need to do it with right hearts and he who gives that to us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. To his kingdom, for his glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you as we have heard today and read in your word. How you you work in the movement here of the gospel in, in this church there in Thessalonica, but if we were to even think and ponder it, and we put ourselves even in this place that we could come to know and understand it is the same today, that you still save people by your perfect purpose and will and decree through how you choose to use your people, how you choose to use your church, through Christ himself as our head and our king that we would know and understand whom we serve and that we would do it with all of our heart and mind and that we do love you, O God, and that we do love one another and we would take it forth as we go from here today. We pray for those that are in need of your salvation. I pray that we would always, as even Paul, as we've seen, be ready and able to just burst into prayer. Establish our hearts, O Lord, without blame and holding us in Christ before you, O God, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his sins.